This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We're talking about living your life in living color as uh, Oza has been uh, teaching us today. And that's because we're in conversation with uh, the founder and creative director of Mebala, Kalefang Mwelezi. It is our entrepreneurial edge. And um, it's not just about the color. It's about, you know, doing something in a very tactile manner. He uh, makes leather goods um, and leather goods that export really well, um, we're told. Um so as I said earlier, you know, when you, th- you know, when you leather, you think, okay, so there's along the value chain, there's the cattle ranching. So there's agriculture. Then uh, there are the tanneries. Then there's the design. Then there are the crafts. Then there's the product and retail. And then there's export. So you can already see at least seven stakeholders on that value chain, local and international. And whilst I know there's a big move uh, to move away from leather goods and think about using technology to produce an artificial leather or people to go back to wearing uh, other what we call breathable materials, uh, there's a big market for leather, whether we're talking accessories, bags, shoes, um, you know, spectacle case holders, wallets, jackets, belts, you name it. All of us right now are wearing some kind of a leather product. And so really, when you think about it, there's profit and opportunity in it all. And Talifang is here to tell us all about it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lerato. Um, good morning to your listeners as well. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming. So what got you interested in leather goods? It was actually by accident. Um, so it was a moment of serendipity. Yeah. I'm actually an economist by training. Um, <laughs> and a couple of years ago, there was a specific bag that I wanted. And the design was very clear in my mind. It was going to be made from African print and it was going to have some leather accents. Right. I couldn't find the bag. Um, so being my resourceful self, I was like, you know what, let me just go downtown Joburg, find the material that I'm looking for, take this material to my shoe cobbler and sketch the design for him. All of that works out. Lo and behold, the design comes out and it comes out very exquisitely. I started using the bag. Um, I was still a student at the time. I'm rocking the bag in and around uh, the streets of Bramfontein and people keep asking, where did you buy that? Where did you buy that? Where did you buy that? When the fifth person asked me, where did you buy that? I answered, I sell them. Ah! Launched the Facebook shop (laughs) and the brand was born. (laughs) I love that. There's opportunity. Yes. Just lurking around the corner. But not only did the fifth person ask you, where did you buy them? And you said, I sell them. And then you launched a brand, but you launched a really successful brand is what I'm told. And you were eventually selected to be part of uh, a program uh, participating in the design in Daba. You were um, named one of the emerging creatives yes. alongside uh, the gentleman who founded Mark Kosa, Ola Duma. Yes. And so, quite frankly, the two of you 
moved into what we call the creative economies and the rest is history. 100%. Um, and I actually had the honor of meeting uh, Laduma when I went to the Design in Daba in 2019. Um, and we had wonderful conversations about our sector. He gave me some trips and hints about how to improve our product. So it was an overall um, wonderful experience. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what did he say? Uh, so we... We talked about segmentation in the market okay. and in being really clear about who you're targeting and what you're offering to that person Ain't is that going to be. So at the time I had just started, I think um, we were a year into the brand and still trying to understand exactly who, sh- who should I be targeting. Because yeah. my first clients were, were, were students, yeah. right? Um, young people yeah. on campus. So there were decisions that needed to be made in terms of do I continue with that market? Do I add um, other compelling value propositions mm-hmm. to the product and kind of move up the segments? Yeah. And then what does that look like? What's the expectation if yeah. you're targeting such a segment? Yeah. Okay, and without revealing too many trade secrets, just give us an understanding who is your customer because I can see that you were struggling with the issue of the, but it's the students who saw my work first. Yeah. I can't not <laughs> sell to them. Those are my loyal customers. Those are the people who launched my brand. So I can't abandon them yeah. now that I'm hobnobbing with the rich and famous. Yeah. But the students also don't have money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the number one thing about entrepreneurship is that you have to be agile, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you have to adapt. You you either adapt or you don't, or you don't survive. Um, so yeah, there were serious questions to be answered in terms of um, the sustainability of the brand, yeah. and the decision that I made was that I need to move up that um, the segments okay. and target more um, young professionals, okay. established professionals, um, because of the offering. Um, the features, the value that we wanted to offer. So we not only make things that that look beautiful, but we also focus a lot on functionality and Mm -hmm. how we can incorporate technology in our products in order to make them super functional. So um, with that in mind, there's a lot of um, value then that we can right. create for like working professionals okay. and the likes. I do like what you've said. Um, established professionals, but more um, new professionals, is, I think is the exactly. word you, you use. So there's an affordability variable because these are people who started working. They've got some disposable income. They can buy the bag. But somehow you don't want... The wealthiest, the richest, the most powerful. Not that you don't want them, but you haven't targeted them. Why is that? Uh, in some ways, we do target them um, because we have um, we have three ranges. Mm. There's an African print range, mm. which is really the genesis of our brand. Mm. And then there's a bovine or cow leather range. Right. So you'll find just a, a normal, plain-looking yes. leather. Um, but and it's high quality. It's high quality. Yeah. It's like super high quality. It's it's full grain, um, top of the range leather that, okay. that um, South Africa has to offer. And then we have a more exclusive, exquisite range, which right. is um, our mosaic leather offering. Ah. So here we take exotic leather pieces. I can feel Your ostriches, your croc skin. Um, we cut them into tiny pieces and we create this lovely, very unique Patchwork. mosaic. Yeah. yeah. So for someone who is looking for something that's 
a little bit more exclusive, um, that's what you could go for. There's no snake, yeah? I don't. No, no, no. There's no snake. <laughs> that, I, that I won't touch, ever. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a phobia I have. Okay. And and it's and I love the box shape, the the clean lines. Yes. The satchel. Yes, yes. So you can see there's a lot of vintage inspirations in terms of the form factor. But we try and bring in our own unique twist. We try and modernize it. And most importantly, the touch yeah, yeah. Is, is, is the most important thing, right? Because okay. um, if you're going to make a product that you're going to export, your touch has to be world class. Yeah, absolutely. The finesse. The finesse. Okay, <laughs> I do love that. So when you started, it was the cobbler who made it, which yes. I love the story. Humble <laughs> beginnings. The shoemaker who fixes the shoes had to now turn into a handbag design. Hey, umlon chile bandla. Okay. Uh, but what happened after that? Still the cobbler? Or you had to now graduate to a different kind of uh, manufacturer? I, I had to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I had to progress. Where's the original maker? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still I'm still very good friends with him, <laughs> but we needed um an experienced um yeah. touch. Yeah. Uh, so I managed to recruit some very experienced leather artisans who understand the sector and have been working in the sector for a while. Um, and they continue to be employed by our company and they're helping yeah. us make um, these exquisite products. And where do you make them? I'm, I'm not saying a full address, but we keep hearing about factories closing. But this needs machines. It 100%. Needs handcrafters. 100%. It needs a workable space. So you have to be running some kind of a manufacturing 100% um so this is capital intensive it's skills intensive it's infrastructure intensive yeah. it's all of that right um all of those challenges that are some of the reasons behind why um factories are closing down in south yeah. africa and we have a decline of the manufacturing sector yeah. And that's one of the missions of the company. We want to see reindustrialization in, yeah. in the continent. And that's why we made the deliberate decision to manufacture everything locally, mm. to source everything locally as, as much as we could, challenging as it may be. Yeah. So our factory is actually down the road from here okay. and in New Dorenfontein, which right. is close to Maboning. Um, so that's where all of these products come to life. Okay. And those challenges in manufacturing are what? Okay, so ESCOM is obviously one of them, but what else? Um, skills. So, oh. yeah, skills would be the second biggest challenge. Um, what what leather, do you mean by skill? What, what, what kind of craftsmanship do you need to know to be a leather handler, leather maker? Yeah, a leather artisan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the skill has been declining in, in South Africa and more and more it's becoming extremely difficult to find a leather artisan that can make world-class um, products. What are they doing? I'm, I'm just trying to establish what are they doing? Uh, what so, do you do with the leather? You stitch it up with the machine? Yes. You, you see, I'm being simplistic. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Yeah. So it's um, everything from cutting the leather. Yeah. Um, Skiving the leather or splitting Skiving. the leather. So that's when you change the property of the leather to either make it um, thinner than it was before okay. so that you can mold it the way you need to mold it. Skiving. Skiving. Okay. 
Um, and then there's folding the leather. So you'll see, for example, in this handbag that the edges are very clean. Mm-hmm. And you accomplish that by um, folding the leather. Mm-hmm. And you need experience and precise hands. And mm. yeah. There can't be any corners, sharp yes, corners. It yeah. all has to be it beautiful has to, curvatures. Exactly. And it must be consistent. Um, the lines across the product offering need to be right. consistent. Okay. Um, then there's the assembly. Okay. So now you have all of your panels. You've cut them. You've skived them. Yeah. You've folded them. Now you must bring the bag together so yeah. that it, it stands up as a complete product. Yeah. So that, again, is, 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 is another skill, okay. you know. Um, which part do you hold, which panel do you hold, and how do you hold it such that when you're stitching, this mm. product is coming out the way that um, we have envisioned right. it. And then as you're doing all of that, your stitching also needs to be um, accurate and consistent and yeah. straight and neat. Um, so, yeah, those Steady are the skills. Hands. Steady hands. It's the cutting um, it's the skiving and the folding, it's the assembly, it's the stitching. Okay, so skiving, I have to tell you, today is, I've just learned that word skiving, brand new word for me and my vocabulary, changing the property of the leather. What else does some of the industry speak that we might not be aware of? Just other words, perhaps. Um, the splitting. Okay. Um, so skiving is when you only reduce the thickness of the leather along the edges where you want to fold the leather. Okay. And then the splitting, because um, a raw hide, because uh-huh. um, leather is the skin of a cow, right, yeah. or the skin of a, a particular animal. So it's quite thick. And um, you always have to understand what thickness you want for the product that you're trying to manufacture. Yeah. If it's a belt, maybe you want it really thick. Yeah. If it's a wallet, you want it really thin. So there's um, a process called splitting the leather, where maybe you reduce the thickness of the leather such that you're only working with the topmost part, which is wow. called the top grade. So it's like making phyllo pastry. I'm not a very good cook, but literally exactly. thinning and thinning and thinning. Exactly, the exactly, oh exactly. Oh my gosh. Because um, if you don't get to the thickness that you need for the particular product, um, you're going to end up with a bad product. You end up with a very big, bulky, mm-hmm. heavy wallet, for example. Mm-hmm. Or you end up with a really thin, flimsy belt if mm-hmm. you skive it too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of precision um, that's it's involved. Needed. Yeah. Okay, and obviously I'm looking at your patchwork mosaic bag, different mm-hmm. colors, and, mm-hmm. and it's not just a blue, it's a teal. Yes. You know, uh, it's a dusty pink yes then there's a baby pink yes then there's a rust then there's a scarlet red yes so the tanneries and the dyeing must be another skill yes 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 exactly um so that's the processing of of the leather right um at the tannery so in the value chain um we enter um right at the point where we're picking up the leather from the tannery Mm. and then we design the products um, we manufacture the products, we wholesale the products to other brands, yeah. and then we also retail under Amirala brand. Okay. And then a lot of the leather that we get from the tannery, and we use only South African tanneries um, that adhere to you know, strict standards um, for the industry in terms of ethics and sustainability. Yeah. So... Um, a lot of the leather that we get is already ready for us to use it when we get from the tannery. But sometimes, like you're saying, there's 
special colors, special Mivala colors yeah. that we want. Yeah. So we play a lot with color and yeah. dye um, at the workshop yeah. to achieve these unique colors. And so maybe let's go to why you call the business Mivala. You have a fascination for leather. Yes. But you have a fascination for color. Yes, yes. Where did that come from? Uh, so the very... The very first range that we launched under the brand mm. um, was an African print range. Okay. And African print uh, is a play of color. Yeah. If you look at our patterns yeah. um, across the different types, we like to play with color a lot. Yeah. So that's how the name came about. The brand essentially um, is inspired by African heritage and it plays with color. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this economist turned handbag maker, maker, creative director. And as you're talking on the business side, I can see where the Wits University place <laughs> comes in. But this love for fashion, beauty, where does it emanate from in your life? I mean, I've, I've, I've always been a creative. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a creative before I'm an analytical person, mm-hmm. right? Um, from the time I was young, I was forever sketching things. And then when I went to university, I, I, I fell in love with fashion, yeah. started paying more attention to how I dress and so on and so forth. And even in my dressing, there was typically a lot of play with color. I don't own a navy blue suit, for example. Okay. All my suits are, are green and, <laughs> and yellow and, and, and all the rest okay. of it. Um, and so the reason why I ended up settling in... Uh, in this space in particular is because there was a culmination of all my different passions. My love for fashion, um, creativity, design, Mm -hmm. innovation, um, technology, Mm -hmm. as well as my passion for, um, you know, reindustrialization in the Mm -hmm. continent Mm -hmm. and trying to contribute to essentially reviving our continent's economy. Okay, so your continental footprint, I mean... You've obviously developed a customer base here. Yes. Growing. Yes. What about in the region? Yeah, we do some good business in the region. Um, Again, thanks to, um, you know, social media and just how it enables you to just spread um, your reach and spread awareness um, relating to your brand. So we, I think as we speak right now, there's two three products that are going to be shipped to Botswana. Um, We've done some business in Eswatini. We've done some business in Lesotho. And in Lesotho, we're actually in conversations to manufacture for another brand um, that's that's based in Lesotho. Mm -hmm. We've done some business in in Zambia. Um, So, yeah, the goal is to keep moving up um, the continent. Yeah, and Lesotho has some um, capacity because under the AGOA program they were asked to create some apparel for levi strauss the denim maker exactly so i remember many years ago visiting some textile factories in lesotho and a lot of the jeans we think we're wearing you go to new york you buy a pair of jeans crafted in lesotho 100 <laughs> percent. i mean they are there's such a success story in terms of like how to revive and maintain a competitive textile yeah. industry when the rest of the continent was really struggling, um, they found a way to really emerge and keep their textile industry competitive. So that story is actually like an inspiration to our work. Okay. And so so you've got a base from which you can work 
exactly. in a country like that. And Botswana is great because they've got more cattle than people. So yeah. <laughs> sourcing some of your leather right there. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, like the regional um, integration is, is, is absolutely critical for, for the region. Yeah. Yeah. I do love this. So other than the fact that your bags trade under the, the label Mebala, um, do you name your bags? Yes, we name our bags. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's, I mean, it's firstly a logistical reason because we needed some uh, way of understanding which design is which, right? Okay, okay. So you could use style numbers. This right. is style number one, style number one, B or whatever. Yeah. But it sounds very bland. Mm. And again, we want to celebrate um, African heritage and yeah. we want to celebrate African languages. Yes. So we name our bags and we give our bags um, African names. Okay. So this we one in front of that's the, No, No, that's the... Um, that's the client's name. So oh, the bag has been... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she... So exactly. wanted their name engraved. Exactly, in okay, exactly, I got it. exactly. Right? The name of the design is the Zuri Backpack. Zuri Backpack. Okay. Zuri is Swahili and it means beautiful. Yes. Um, so uh, we'll either get inspiration for um, a name in an African language yeah. and we'll put it on the bag. Or sometimes we co-create our designs with our clients. Ah. And a lot of the times we end up naming a particular design after a client. Okay. Um, so what's the patchwork? What is it called? This the is mosaic. called the Vuvu Vintage Case. Vuvu. Yes. Sounds um, like there's a story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we co-created, co-designed um, the Vintage Case with a client named Vuyole too. And hush, the shorthand is Vuvu. Yes. So that's how we ended up naming it the Vuvu Vintage Case. Oh. And it also sounds nice to say. Vuvu. Like, yeah. I'm carrying my Vuvu. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the pink one? The pink one is called um, the Lutendo Bagay. Banna? Yeah, so. so you've gone full scale. Yeah, 100%. Yeah? So you <laughs> see this. Lutendo, Vuvu. Yeah. So that one has a Swahili name. This one has a. Toza name. This one has a, a Chivenda name. name. Yeah. D- huh? Mm, you, you should be buying one, Oza. <laughs> right there for your wife. The Lutendo. Yes. Lutendo. What does Lutendo mean? It means love. Oh, you could have just named it Lerato. oh lutendo i'm learning something new today so where do people find mebala so um you can pay us a visit at our workshop in new doran fontaine we do have a showroom if you want to see our products um ten fan big street uh you can order online on our website www.mebala.co you can find us across all social media platforms, TikTok, um, Twitter, or X, um, depending on how you want to refer to it, uh, Facebook, Instagram, the handle is mevala underscore ZA. You can reach us on WhatsApp 072-943-9910. And where were you raised? I was raised in a small village called Babung outside um, Rastenbeck. Yeah. Uh, I had... A lot of fun growing up there, playing in the mud and going hunting and being creative. Oh, and yeah, I love this for you. Thank From you. From Babong to the world. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You should name one of your bags Babong. 
That's actually a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> a tribute, a tribute to to where you were raised. Listen, we've really found this so inspirational. Um, somebody says we should really rename uh, Power FM Empowerment FM. It's about empowering young people. We learn something new every day, says Marco. I'm all for it. Thank you very much. Uh, Oscar Makudula says, what a lovely conf- conversation and inspiring brand story. Carol Makwacha says, I'm loving this discussion. I'm in a similar field, Lerato. Please, I need the social media details. One more time as we say goodbye. So across all social media platforms, our handle is Mevala underscore Z-A. M-E-B-A-L-A underscore Z-A. A conversation with Talefang Mwele. Oh, Talefila White. <laughs> Talefang Mwele. It's the founder and creative director, Mebala. It's been the Thursday edition of Power Talk. We'll do it again tomorrow. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.